You're listening to the official Dietitian Connection podcast. This podcast gives you access to the most successful and influential experts in the dietetic profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Hello to all of our listeners and welcome to this month's episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast. I'm your host, Kate Agnew. So I was very lucky to be able to sit down with Joe Turner, who is a leading qualified dietitian, sports dietitian, and also exercise physiologist. And she's based in New South Wales in Australia. Joe has had quite an extensive career working in the media as well as corporate health, food industry roles, and also as the leading sports dietitian with high profile and elite sports people. Joe is currently the director of her own private practice called New Active Health, where she manages a team of dual qualified dietitians, exercise physiologists, and also medical professionals using an integrative approach. Hi, Joe. Thanks so much for joining us on the Dietitian Connection podcast. I feel pretty lucky to be sitting with you today and talking all things private practice. So thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. I wonder if we could start with you telling us a little bit about what drove or inspired you to become a dual qualified dietitian. Well, look, I think I wanted to be a a dietitian or at least in the health industry since I was probably five or six years of age. I'm one of the lucky, lucky people that have really always known what I wanted to do. Um, I I know so many people that sort of toss and turn, they get to year 12 and they still don't know what they want to do or they even start a degree and um, not quite sure that they're going down the right path and and swap and change. But it's really not been my my experience that um, I've always loved food and I've always loved cooking. Um, As probably even three or four years of age, I told my mother that I wanted to be a cook or a chef. Um, my father's a GP and so I got to fall in love with helping people. Um, my dad is a really caring, caring doctor and if I um, you know, had a day off in the holidays or something like that, I would actually go around to some of his home visits and in nursing homes and, and even work at the clinic and just fall in love with, with the pride you can feel in actually helping people but Mm. to do medicine was probably just not my calling I I really don't like the side of of blood and I just couldn't see myself as a doctor so really to put um, together the the love of food and cooking and to still want to help people on a medical level then obviously dietitian was was my calling Um, the exercise physiology component I actually kind of fell into I I always loved exercise Um, I was a dancer and and a rhythmic gymnast um, throughout my childhood and and, and teenage years and then in my year 10 work experience um, I didn't really know where I wanted to go because I already knew I wanted to be a dietitian so what was the whole point of going to a work experience to look at different avenues 
So I actually went to university for a week and did exercise science research with my cousin who's Professor Tim Olds and he was um, at a local university. He's now at Adelaide University but he's at a local university um, then in Sydney and I spent a week there and I was like, oh, I really like this, um, the, the exercise science side of things. So um, then when I found that I could do both, then that was an absolute given. So uh, going to, to Wollongong University and doing a double bachelor and a double master's and being able to be accredited in both professions was was literally um, a dream come true. So that's what inspired me. So you sealed the deal from early on then, <laughs> made the yeah. decision. Look, I'm so incredibly passionate about what I do um, and it's, you know, I still, I, I've set goals along the way of what I want to achieve in my career and, uh, you know, I'm probably not actually even where, anywhere near I wanted to be at my age but, you know, looking back, I still think I've achieved a lot, um, particularly when you've had three children along the way uh, as well. But, um, you know, to be... I actually then at university, to be honest, wanted to be triple um, um, qualified. So I, I begged Wollongong University to try and let me do a triple major in psychology, but they just didn't exist. And they just said we couldn't create we couldn't create something that didn't exist. I could do the double and then go back and do psychology um, as an extra afterwards. And I did plan to do that um, for some state, you know, for, for a while, but it, you know, I ended up then getting too busy in, in my career and, and sort of didn't see, um, the benefit of putting that in there. But, you know, I certainly toyed with the idea of going back and doing a, um, a master's or a doctorate in, in mm. psychology as well, because when you get to know, um, another whole profession, um, and, and seeing it from two different angles. Often you hear, you know, what's more important, the diet or the exercise, particularly in the weight loss um, industry. Uh, when you actually see them from two different angles, they actually have two different roles. They're not like one or the other. Mm -hmm. They actually play different roles within the weight loss component. And it, one is not really more important than the other, but they're actually playing, um, you know, the, the food is probably a larger component of the calorie in versus calorie out um, component and the, the diet is also such a large component of your nutritional quality, of course. Um, it is the, the, the only component of that, which is then going to affect some of your hormonal changes. But your exercise, um, I always say it's like building a house. What's more important, the architecture um, or the actual builder? Um, and all the the uh, actual bricks and cement turning up at the building site. It's like, well, you can't do the build without the architecture yeah. and the design. <laughs> and exercise is, in a way, doing the architecture of our body. It's actually doing the ordering. It's ordering the muscles or changing how our liver works. Um, so it, it's actually more on the um, function of our body and then food is delivering the bricks and, and the mortar um, to actually allow that to, to occur. So they're, they're not the same role and I think sometimes it's one or the other and it's not one or the other. We have to do both um, to be a healthy person. It's a great analogy, Joe. I'm going to have to use that sometime. Um, so on the topic of mixing different professions, can you take me through how New Active operates differently, um, particularly in terms of your multidisciplinary team and integrative approach to health? Yeah, look, because I, I'm so passionate about this integrated care, I built New Active Health to provide what 
hopefully is uh, world-class in being able to offer our clients um, everything and anything that they actually need to reach their health goals. So when people are trying to change their diet or increase their exercise, there are so many limitations and barriers that may be occurring. One, a lack of education, so providing them the nutrition dietetic education, providing them exercise guidance and and education and support um, and understanding what their body needs on an exercise level. Like there's different foods um, and one food does not uh, fit all nutritional um, requirements. So an apple doesn't supply you with everything, even though an apple is a healthy food. Um, and an apple actually can be not a great choice if you've got a FODMAP issue and, and you've got an intolerance uh, to those. So same thing with exercise. There's not a one-fits-all and there's lots of different types of exercise and trying to actually assess what that person actually needs and trying to get them to do high-intensity interval training, although that might be a great answer for somebody actually maybe doing to harm to, a, to another person. Um, and then looking at that, when you understand the importance of those two roles, diet and exercise, you then also look at the psychology component that we might write the best diet and the best exercise plan that is written perfectly for that individual, but they don't have the psychology in putting it into place. So then putting that psychology in or we write a diet plan, but they don't know how to cook or they lack motivation in cooking. Uh, and so having the cooking classes um, gives them that dimension or the supermarket tours to give them the practical skills that they require. And then we've got the multidisciplinary um, areas of the GP, which is, of course, a great referral um, base, and the gastroenterologist, so working on, on the food intolerance sides and, and gastroenterology um, kind of uh, concerns. And we've got... Um, uh, um, plans in place to be adding some other uh, team members in. We're looking at having an endocrinologist join the team and a paediatrician join the team. Uh, possibly, you know, looking at other allied health, but, but I think the diet, the exercise psychology is the main area, the three kind of areas that I focus on in trying to look at lifestyle um, modifications. And, of course, we then refer out uh, to podiatrists and physiotherapists and, and other allied health that we need to try and get that person to be able to reach their goal um, in, in whatever goal that is, whether it's on an elite athlete um, level or whether it's on a weight management uh, level or cancer or any other health concern. Um, and so, Joe, you mentioned the cooking classes. Um, this obviously plays quite a huge role in educating and supporting your clients. Is that right? Yeah, look, this is my passion for food. So to try and, although I'm a dietitian and that was, that was great, you work with food and talk food all of the time. And I've had the absolute pleasure of, of writing lots of recipes for websites, for um, magazines, for my own cookbooks. Um, my own websites and blogs and, and those sort of things. Cooking at home and, and publishing it as a recipe is fantastic, but to be able to actually cook in front of people and show people how much food, you know, how passionate you are about food and how quick and easy it actually can be. So many people think, oh, I don't have time to do this. I, and what, you know, I, I don't believe a problem is a problem unless you can't find a solution. So if you can't find a solution, then yes, you have a problem. 
But if you have a situation that is actually solvable, that is not actually a problem. Mm -hmm. So how I like to try to approach every one of my clients is to recognize their situation and come up with solutions so that they don't have any problems in life. I kind of take away their excuses um, and, <laughs> and they come up with a lot of excuses. Mm-hmm. It's either too hot or it's too cold or it's too windy or it's too this or that for the exercise and on the food side of things, there's a, again another million and one excuses. And with the food, um, I like to show them there really shouldn't be any excuses. It's quick, it's easy, it's tasty. People go, oh, it doesn't taste as good without the salt and the fat. And um, I show them how much salt they can actually use and how much fat and, and that they can add to their meals um, in a healthy kind of way. Herbs and spices that people go out and get gourmet food, but they don't actually know how to put some of these spices and herbs together to get their their Mm. food tasting great but they're not taking a huge amount of time so in a two-hour cooking class I will normally do one or two different snacks so the last cooking class I did a roasted cumin um, roasted pumpkin and cumin dip uh, and I did a tzatziki dip I did two different drinks I did a breakfast smoothie as well as an afternoon um, tea or you know morning tea slash snack drink Mm. um and then i did a a zucchini slice i did a sanchow bao i did a banana ice cream um all in two hours um and i don't mise on prep before my classes which means i don't chop anything before the class i don't wash a vegetable it's like it's come out of my fridge and i'm cooking from scratch so to show them you know even some knife skills I'm not a chef but I am extremely passionate about food and I'm not trying to teach them to be a chef I'm trying to teach them how to be a practical home cook and looking at their portion sizes you you can get food models and plates and pictures out across the desk as a dietitian but nothing speaks louder when they actually see the meal on a plate and they actually see the volume of vegetables it's the number one thing Mm. that they always say when they come out, I give them lots of tips and tricks on how they can chop their vegetables and, and, and do things in a lot quicker way. Um, but they also just say, how many vegetables? Like, this huge. Like, I can't even eat all of that. Yeah. Like, well, no, you'll never go hungry if yeah. you keep piling your plate full of, of vegetables. Um, and we know that one-third of the, the population, um, only one-third of the population are actually reaching their vegetable intake so that's a huge area where people can get the message of eating more eat more eat more Mm -hmm. um, rather than thinking about eating less 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 Um, and that's why they're you know and they think you know that meat's portion so small but how I I put the meat or the protein within the meal and within the vegetables they're like that's huge I can't I can't eat all of that so um, and then when they get to taste them so this tastes amazing um, then it it's really rewarding. I had, I had a teenager at my last class where she's such a fussy eater and she ate everything I cooked and she actually enjoyed it and she got up and actually helped me cook the zucchini slice and um, and she said, you know, Mum, can I take this to school? It's like this has got so many vegetables in it. It wasn't just zucchinis. There's actually mm. a whole lot of other hidden vegetables in there. And, uh, you know, she was actually asking Mum already in the class going, I, I would eat this. Like, And they're, they're actually slightly surprised. So it's a hugely rewarding um, um, 
uh, and, and I'm hugely privileged because my cooking school was sponsored, 100% sponsored by um, a certain different company. So Harvey Norman, Breville and Fisher and Paykel and Atwell's Kitchen and Essa Stone and KitchenAided, Vitamix and Circulon and Nestle um, all sponsored the kitchen. So I have, you know, a state-of-the-art kitchen yeah. in my office um, that every single client gets to see. Um and, and then comes to, to cook in, in there too. So it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a, a really great um really great facility to have and, and ma- marry with the work that you do, you know, one on one. Um mm. so Joe, what are your top three secrets to managing your multidisciplinary team? I I think, you know, I think when we we say secrets, we always think that um we're going to say something that's quite not the obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, you know, I always find, you know, the same thing with like, what's the secret of weight loss? Like, as though it's something we've never heard yeah. before. <laughs> so I don't really know if my three secrets are going to be like, wow, like I'd never heard of that before. But I think managing any team is communication. Mm. Um, you know, particularly at Neuroactive Health, when we have integrated care, we keep each um, practitioner up to date and we're not doing the kind of case conferences you may do at a hospital where the team comes together and we all formally sit down and you bring up the case and you all talk about the one particular case um, the, the thing with us is we have a whole lot of informal um, meetings about each of our, our clients on a needs to know basis so you know we're not sitting there wasting each other's time we're all extremely busy health professionals um, that we will touch base on the things that are actually really important so if the psychologist says look you know weighing that client at the moment isn't really doing anything beneficial for their headspace so you know let's not weigh them for, for now or they really need to talk about some snacks because they're really struggling on that so they can give me this feedback where their next consultation they don't have to sort of spend 20 minutes um, opening up to me on what their problems are I already know exactly what we're going to cover off um, that consultation Mm -hmm. so I think communication is is a key in in managing how um, our our system works Um, respecting each other's um, speciality so uh, we don't cross each other's um, bridges and, and, you know, do each other's work. So particularly the gastroenterologist before she worked here, she'd actually give out a lot of diet advice mm-hmm. and, um, you know, a lot of gastroenterologists do that um, because they are working with the digestive system and their conditions are very much food-related and not everyone always wants to see a dietitian. So even when they are, you know, talking about diet, um, but having that respect of actually understanding why it is so much more beneficial to see the expert in that particular area. And in my role, I do a lot of psychology, but most of my psychology is actually screening for psychological conditions and then respecting the absolute expertise of a psychologist and and transferring it across um, to the psychologist. So I think respect um, means that we're never getting on each other's um, you know, annoying each other whatsoever. Mm. And then I think um, the, you know, believing that this multidisciplinary team is the way to go. You know, we we look at particularly weight management, for example, you look at a lot of the research and you see that diet itself um, is possibly not that 
effective in weight management. You'll lose weight, but there is a large percentage will weight regain. And to try and get more than 10% of the initial weight off successfully and maintain that is not always um, in research papers. Um, this is different in, in practical and clinical um, terms, but in research papers, diet alone doesn't seem to be dramatically effective. Add diet and exercise together and they seem to be a little bit more effective. Looking at just psychology alone and it's a little bit effective and I think the reason, and it's very hard in a research paper to do this, but when you actually throw everything at them all at once and you look at, and you, you can't really tell in a paper, in a paper you want to know what is the modality that actually made the difference. And I think the secret in, in helping people is actually it's going to be different for every single person. So you can't do it in a research paper to know which one is the important part because we don't really know which is the, the part that has fallen down. If you've got a house on four pillars um, and you say it's the left one, it's always the left pillar. You can't say that. It's one of the hundred pillars that might fall down in a human being's um, health. And so looking at um, the the psychology, the diet, the medical, so pharmacotherapy, um, looking at surgical um, options, looking at every single one to try and find what is important for that person and individually packaging a solution uh, to them and having it all under one roof to know exactly what each other is doing is why we have the results. And, you know, Wollongong University wanted to try and research my practice and actually see because some of my stats um, are unbelievable. You know, we're getting 20% weight loss and keeping it off. It's nowhere near the 10%. It's, it's blowing that figure out of the water. Mm. But, again, to try and write it up as a paper and, and you know, we move so quickly in a clinical load to actually try and um, segment it and try to actually put any kind of rhyme or reason to um, what we do is just impossible to, um, apart from case studies or something like that, to do a case study paper is all we could probably um, achieve. So I think that's, and I think passion, yeah. the number one secret is love what you do. Like we, uh, you know, the psychologist, um, you know, technically works for me and, and is employed by New Active Health. And the GP sent a, a request through going, you know, can we take this compassionate case on like at a lower reduced rate um, of it? And the psychologist wrote to me and said, you know, is, is this okay that I take this, this case on? It's like none of us, although we all charge money, we're in private practice, you know, we don't get paid unless our clients pay us. We're not here for the money. We're here because we absolutely love helping our, our clients mm -hmm. and see them achieve and we'll do whatever it takes to get them across that line so I think the secret the number one secret is is passion and belief in ourselves that we actually have a service that really does a lot of good yeah yeah that's a really great way of viewing it um so Joe, what are the challenges that you face within your position the um the the challenge is time <laughs> um I, I'm 38 years of age now and Although I've helped about 8,000 clients individually, one-on-one, -on -one, um, face-to-face, uh, that's, that's nothing in comparison to the thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people that are struggling in this department. 
um, the challenge we face, and as all dietitians, we we face with the competition, let's call it, of of people that um, are possibly not giving evidence based advice out there. And I do find that when people come in, I sometimes have to uh, convince them that this new way of thinking um, is the right way of thinking. So yeah. The fact that you, you know, as a dentist, I'm sure a dentist doesn't have this. A person comes in, they open their mouth, they say you need a filling here, blah, 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 you do the filling and, and it's done. Whereas we have to convince that they need that filling. We convince that, you know, and it's not as easy as just fixing a tooth. We actually have to give them tools that they go home and fix their own tooth um, in a way. So I find the challenges of of lifestyle intervention is we're dealing with human beings and they have so many complex psychological and and integrated you know what family life is like for them they're single mum working three jobs um that their time management and stuff so our, our challenges are um one keeping up to date so i'm dual qualified i have to to keep up to date on and accredited in both a dietitian, exercise physiologist, and a sports dietitian. So anyone that ever worries about accreditation, um, you know, try doing three lots of accreditation um, each year. So that's that's a challenge going to conferences and things like that. But the the other challenge is is finding enough time and seeing is it physically possible in my career to see any significant change, not in my individuals but in the nation's health essentially mm. and so um that's that's a, a challenge that we all face mm. um and i think we all respect um that you know hopefully we can together particularly um with with dietitian connection as well um that we can start seeing some improvements in in those areas that's the thing change starts with um with you deciding to do something differently and then coming together mm. I suppose. Yeah. 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 So that that's you know, which is in, in one way less challenging now with having kind of you know people like you at Dietitian Connection. That um, the challenge is trying to find that network and all those passionate people and getting mm. us all together and and all working um, together rather than you know certainly you know, I, I found. Um, at times to find those kindred spirits within within your profession. And because I'm dual qualified as well, I sometimes as a, as a dietitian, I go to a dietitian conference and I sort of feel this, I'm an exercise physiologist there and I go to an exercise physiology conference and I'm this sort of dietitian there. Two um, hats. It's, quite, it's really quite funny where even your prof, your, your peers don't really know where to, to have you you're sitting. Um, so there's lots of different challenges, but I think that's, one of the things I love about being in private practice is that I get to create my own space and, and my own mm. position of where I like to um, kind of sit. But, you know, in private practice, we're challenged by time, we're challenged by money, um, we're challenged by um, not having that big infrastructure, marketing budgets and, and, you know, the whole teams that when I've worked in large organisations, you didn't have to wear so many hats you just sort of did your job and then there was the marketing department and the thing mm. but then on the other side of things there's a whole lot of red tape when you work in big organizations yeah. so 
doesn't matter where you come from, what position you're in, there's always going to be um, challenges, but there's benefits as well against those challenges. So. Yeah, that was a great way of putting it, Joe. Um, those those few facts were exactly what I had and what what came to my mind. So, um, so you've talked about creating your dream job rather than looking for it, and I'm really interested to get your opinion around this and how it relates to your work. Yeah, look, I particularly in the world of nutrition um, and weight loss, um, you said before, to, to make change, we have to make change. We have to do things differently. Mm. Um, we can't just keep doing the same old thing because it's not working. The obesity epidemic, the diabetic epidemic, it's all getting worse. Um, even malnutrition, even I think miscommunication and, and I think people are getting more uneducated about nutrition because they're getting poor education from non-qualified individuals, then their qualification has actually um, put them in a state where in the past we used common sense, you know, mm-hmm. vegetables, meat, you know, and I think sometimes some of my clients go, yeah, your advice is not you know, that wow because it's just common sense that, you know, we eat our fruit and we eat our veggies and you have your dairy and you have your meat and you – eat when you're hungry and you stop when you're full and uh you know it's not all about you know what time it has to be and what grams it needs to be it doesn't have to be that kind of um specific um so i think you know to create um my dream job was to try and find a solution to some of these kind of problems my dream job is that i don't have any problems um i don't have any barriers you know, I, I train martial arts and in martial arts we have to break boards and breaking boards is actually not about breaking a board. Marsh, the Breaking the board is actually about there is no board, yeah. there is no barrier. We're going through the board because the board does not actually exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you see the board and you hit the board, not go through the board, the actual energy that you're portraying on that board will actually dissipate across the board and it won't break. So it actually just repels across the surface of the board. But if you actually use that power and go through the board, it just snaps. Um, and so the whole secret about board breaking is there is no board. Right. And so the same thing in in my dream job is there is no barrier. You know, people say, oh, your mum are three, why do you work so much? Like that is not a barrier to me. Like if I want to work, I work. It doesn't matter whether I'm female. It doesn't matter if I'm a mum. It doesn't matter if I don't have money, people go, oh, you know, like if, when you start a private practice, like I don't have any money to start it with and where do I start and I don't have any clients to start it with. Like it's looking at the barriers and it's the same thing with clients that they find the barriers. I can't walk because of my knee or I've got a sore foot. It's like, well, let's look at what you don't have a barrier to. Mm-hmm. Let's either go around the board, under the board, over the board, and, you know, around the barrier or actually totally disintegrate. That, that barrier and not actually say um, so my dream job was to try and have that flexibility when I've worked for other people I would go oh let's do this and they go oh no we don't have the budget for that and it literally is a barrier because yeah. they put their foot down and they say no is no and that's their, your boss um, so my dream job was that I didn't have those barriers and it's not necessarily being able to just do whatever I want to do you still have to um, make a, a good business decision in, in everything you do. And there is only 168 hours in the, in the week. 
So you can't do everything. Have you actually um, counted the hours in a week before to figure out how much you can yeah. get in? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I absolutely. I even presented on what do I spend my 168 hours because people go, like I, my, my <laughs> largest day in private practice is 38 clients in one day. And people go, how do you do that? And how do you see 60 hours of clinic plus, you know, your, your sporting organizations and your corporate um, work and, and your reports? And how do you do all of this? It's like, well, there are use 168 hours in the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people waste a huge amount of hours. So uh, that is my other secret is use your hours wisely um, and kind of think when you're passionate, you know, we, I always play this sort of game with my husband that if you won the 20 million lotto, what would you do? It's like, I don't know if I'd do anything differently. Mm. I just think I'd do everything on a bigger scale. I'd just have more staff and I'd have more new active health and I'd be able to mentor more dietitians, which is what my next career goal. So I have a five-year goal and a 10-year goal and a 15-year goal. And my next, within my next five years is I want to give back more to the community. So give out as much free advice as I possibly can through social media and to mentor as many dietitians as I do have time to mentor mm. um, because I think if if I can use my 15 years of experience and, and try to, to fast track um, the new dietitians coming in or new dual qualified come in and they can be at my stage five years or 10 years into their career rather than at 15 years, then that's sort of what my next career goal is to give back to my professional organisations as well as to the community um, of, of how we can project everything um, further and faster. Um, so, you know, you know, going back to kind of creating my dream job is, is really looking at the areas that I'm passionate in and, and what areas can I provide passion and that's, you know, setting my five-year goal. It sounds very organised and very structured but really it's just trying to reflect to myself what are my areas that I'm passionate in and therefore what do I have the energy to give you see if you're trying to give energy in an area you don't want to give energy it's extremely mentally draining Mm. Um, but when you already have that fire inside you it's sort of like it gives you energy back as you're giving it because it's so rewarding it's what you actually want to to Mm. do um, so it's not draining. I, I, even after 38 clients, I, I'm not drained. Like I was like, bring it on. Can I have to see another 38 straight away? <laughs> I, I lo- Some people don't love seeing individual clients say, oh, you know, the private practice work, that really drains me. It's like, well, then that's probably not the area that your dream job yeah. should be and you're going to do your best work if you find that thing that you're passionate about and you will never run out of energy doing mm-hmm. that. Well, um, it, it obviously actually it obviously makes you feel really alive and is what gives you your energy. So it's really special to hear hear your um your your views around it and and what it does for you. Yeah, and I, I think I think that also comes back from results, right? So if you you're not getting good results with your clients, then yeah. that can kind of be a bit demoralizing. And mm. I think because I I seem to have this, um, I personally think it shouldn't be a secret. But this team of, of um, this multidisciplinary team and this multidisciplinary approach that seems to be getting these amazing results, particularly 
in weight loss, but even in irritable bowel syndrome, the 90% have psychological components mm. to their irritable bowel, that when we have the gastro, the, the exercise, the diet, the psychology, because we our clients get such great results, then, of course, that feeds back into to positive, um, you know, energy back towards us. Mm. And, you know, I kind of, you know, get really frustrated um, when I can't find the problem. Not, not that someone is, you know, I, I hear sometimes when people go like, oh, you're wasting, you know, they go, oh, I should, I'm wasting your time. It's like you're not wasting my time if we haven't actually found the solution to you. You're mm-hmm. putting the effort in. We're still just needing to try and find what other components we need to get you, you know, through this. Is it time management skills in shopping and things like that? So trying to problem solve um, mm-hmm. the issue. But to, I've never actually had a client where I go, I don't actually know what to do. And I'm lost, I'm confused, and I, I don't see how I can actually get you to lose the weight or, or the result mm-hmm. um, of it. I mean, there probably is a few and I've had to refer them back to the doctor to say, look, this isn't adding up. Um, I want to get some blood tests organised or something else like that. Um, but Perhaps because you tend to um, find your way around barriers, maybe that's, that's one of the reasons. Yeah, that- but, I mean, the other thing that I love about having a multidisciplinary team is that I get to learn so much, like you get to learn mm. so much medicine from the doctors. Not that I practice medicine, but by actually understanding it, you actually know when to refer back. Mm-hmm. So you see something in the blood test and I'm not qualified to, to see it as a, oh, I think you've got this and I'm going to diagnose you with that. Not at all. I just sort of go, mm, look, I just these things in the blood test, I'd like you to go back to see your doctor about this or a few things they'll say on a psychological component and you refer them to the psychologist because you can pick up because you get to know so much psychology and so much medicine and even having mentors like gastroenterologists who mentor you through gastroenterology um, concerns mm. that you get to learn so much from these these other um, professions. And, you know, one of my answers to the what would I do if I had 20 million bucks and, and you know, technically didn't have to work is I would go back and study nearly every health profession there is because I think the key to some of these problems is that it has to be combined and rather than having one expert, one expert all segmented, the answer to a lot of the problems you know, is a combined approach and possibly if one person knew all of the modalities, um, they might be able to put it all together and and work out the puzzle um, to some of these metabolic disorders. When new new active seems to be living proof of that in some degree, putting professions together. Yeah, but you get so fascinated. Like I think now I I work, I, I technically, you know, although I started as one and passionate about dietitian and then when I learned more about exercise physiology I became passionate about exercise and then when yeah. I learned more about psychology I was passionate about that too and then you learn more about medicine and you get passionate about that yeah. I think I'm obviously just very passionate about health and and and, and, and helping people in, in different ways. So Joe, you've mentioned the importance of self-care to me. Um, we were chatting a few weeks about it and so uh, particularly for dietitians working long hours and private practice. So can you give me your opinion around this and um, how you know other dietitians of private practice might be able to um, use this concept for their work? Yeah, so particularly as I mentioned, you know, 168 hours a week you and when you are so passionate, you just want to give and give and give and give. And if you, and, and you know, I mentioned about, you know, the if you're putting the energy out in the passionate area, you may not actually run out of energy. But, you know, 
in looking at our own and it's particularly the psychologists that have worked at New Active Health that have taught me that they are extremely good at self-care um, because it's one of their components. It's, you know, it's like eating your five five veggies serves a day. Mm. Um, but self-care is that you do need to keep finding ways to um, re-energise yourself and have your own inner health balance um, and that you are in a positive, healthy mood that you can be giving back to the clients all of the time. So I find obviously eating well is extremely important, making sure you are stopping for, for mealtimes. There's so many GPs and, and, and doctors that come in um, and physiotherapists and other health professionals that see me as a client and their self-care is uh, abominable. Um, and, you know, I, I always say, you know, if you're, um, you know, your mobile phone is your business. You have to keep recharging the battery mm. and self-care is really like recharging your batteries and you need to recharge it on an exercise level, on a, on a psychological level and on a nutritional um, level. So making sure you practice what you preach um, is important and, and finding not just exercise but exercise that you actually enjoy, eating foods that you actually enjoy, spending time with the people that you actually enjoy spending time um, with because it does take a lot of energy out of you um, motivating and stimulating in private practice. It's not sort of just giving them out advice and then you're never seeing them again. You, you actually um, become life coaches to them and supporters and, and mentors and um, to their entire um, well-being and so it's so incredibly important that for you to still have the same energy I have the same energy if not more energy than I did when I first started private practice mm-hmm. um, than I did 15 years you know, ago that I, I have more now um, mainly because there's more opportunities and more exciting things happening and and things that um, but that's one of the reasons why I started martial arts um, and I only started that at age 36 um, because I was sick of going to the gym. Too many people knew me at the gym. Um, too many people were asking me questions and that was my off time. Like yeah. I, I actually need time where I'm not working, I'm not Joe Turner, um, that I can just be me um, That um, and, and can have my own headspace. And, and martial arts is, is um, the thing that kind of gives me so many different um, avenues to release um, frustration and, and things of life. So it's important for self-care of, of looking at your emotional well-being um, and your physical well-being and just making sure you're looking after yourself mm. um, because I think particularly clients pick up on that, that if you practice what you preach, they really listen to go, well, look, she can do it. She can do it as a mum and she can do this. And I think that they um, really respect that, that um, they can take advice if they can see that, you know, I have the same struggles as everyone else does in life um, and that you can overcome come those so I think if you're practicing on yourself um, it's it's a good way to give them practical and uh, advice that you know is going to work because you you um, live it every day yeah that was um, a really great way to finish this episode uh, Joe. I think sitting down with you today I can tell how passionate and um, how amazing your practice really is. So thank you so much for sharing that with me and also the listeners of the podcast. Um, it's just been really fantastic to sit with you today. My pleasure. Anytime. So I hope 
you guys, the listeners, were able to get as much from that episode as I was. And if you would like to enjoy even more opportunities, further inspiration and a front row seat to community discussions with like-minded nutrition leaders, then the Dietitian Connection Premium Membership is for you. Your premium membership will ensure that you're informed with the exclusive Dietitian Connection newsletter. And one of the most useful resources is all year round access to webinars as well as discounts at Dietitian Connection events. So to sign up, go to dietitianconnection.com and then pop to the member benefits tab and select premium benefits. Thanks again for being a part of the Dietitian Connection community. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast.